Good morning, everybody. This is the Weekly Dish on My Talk 1071. I'm Stephanie March. I'm here once again with my friend Elizabeth Reese. Good morning, my friends. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I sound a little scratchy. I think it's like a little rainy allergy thing. I think there's a big rain. I think there's a big allergy thing happening. Yeah, when the rain happens or it like gets kind of humid like this, I think stuff just gets in the air and it gets me a little like, blah. Well, but. there was some wind situations this week that were kind of, I don't know, I feel like that always makes it, loosens up the pollen, if you will. I know, this is so true, but I'm really happy to be here. I'm always hungry, so I'm always ready to talk food with you. <laughs> That's so good. I'm either hungry or really happy with what I just ate right. and always thinking about the next meal. Yes, this is sort of the entire, this is sort of our relationship. <laughs> um, I got to tell you that I know it's a little rainy out today, and it's possible that it could be a little bit of a soggy day, but I do want to give a shout out to Shauncey and her Stone Arch Festival, which is going on today. That's right. And so if you have a chance and you're thinking, you know what, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be stuck inside. I'm going to go out and I'm going to experience the city that the best it has to give <laughs> and maybe just pop over and have a look. And I drove by it today because, by the way, also plenty of road closures that you should be aware of. Whoa. Like Westbound 94, if you're coming from 394 and you're thinking, I'm just going to head over to St. Paul, make plans, think about it before you go because you cannot get onto Westbound 94. From like the sculpture garden area. Doesn't oh work. shoot, dude! Yeah, that's why I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna go through the city, which I do often anyway because yeah. it's kind of fun. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh, I'll drive right by through the Stone Arch Bridge, and there's plenty of tents there. Everyone's got tents up, and so it's gonna be great. But anyway, Hanson's working her butt off and just trying to make it all good. So 94 it, and I have a love hate relationship. So seriously, there you go. Like, yeah, love that it gets me there, but hate how it gets me there. Yeah, it's kind of got a lot of. Uh, I don't know. Will it ever be done? I no, feel like it started at the Super Bowl before the Super Bowl, and it's still. It's just like a constant. This is very Minnesota of us, though, to, to put the weather and then the road construction together. I feel like we're peak Minnesota. It's right It's the now. first thing that we talk about. I know. I mean, if we would have just it added is. in what hot dish we ate last night, we would have been the most stereotypical well, people. As a as a good point, let me tell you something, kiddos. On the Facebooks today, the question of the day, uh, the morning at the Facebook, is really about what here's the question when you want to show up at a picnic potluck and you really want to shine read show off what do you bring yes what's your magic dish this is great i know and we're going to talk about this on the second half of the hour but i want to talk about it because i have to go meet my daughter's future in-laws today Ooh. right so here's the deal like and there's like other people and all the stuff and it's like you know that's a lot of pressure to bring a dish and also they all like oh you're the food lady I know, so you like you're like i can't show up with just like you know the cute little fresh mozzarella tomato basil skewers oh that's- see i was thinking you can't show up with like a, a plastic container of potato salad yeah from no Bio no no Lace. for I mean, sure you definitely no, but I can't even need do to, that i need to bring my game up like i have to bring it but then again i also have to make sure that i don't make it you have to make sure you don't make it too crazy because then it's the factor of like well nobody's gonna like it you have um 36 comments already on this <laughs> and so if you this are, is like by the way when this happens this is like a this is like a treasure trove for all of us i know we have to remember this but also i want to shout 38 out already. 38 already <laughs> make sure that you understand too that we are going to give away a couple of tickets on the facebook for share our strengths uh hotlist party which is happening on thursday and it's a great event for share our strength which is you know taste the nation which fights local hunger is what you need to know from that so we're going to talk a little bit about that on the second half of the hour but i just wanted you to pop over and check it out and if you do you know if you're going to a father's day thing or if you're trying to if you're going to like a memorial you know it's past memorial day yeah, it is a picnic you know there's a lot of good stuff in here just saying it all right so how are you what did you eat this week 
Oh my gosh. I've been, well, I've been eating so much good stuff on Twin Cities Live this week. Yes. We, we had two really fun days where um, our good friend Joy Summers came yeah. on Twin Cities Live and she did uh, 24 hours to eat in St. Paul and 24 hours to eat in Minneapolis. Oh, fun! And I love those kinds of things. And I kept saying, you know, especially I know there are a lot of weekly dishers who maybe don't listen within the Twin Cities or you guys are yeah. outside of the Twin Cities and you look for resources when you come into the city yep. of what you want to eat. And I think this kind of stuff is so fun. Like whenever I go to New York... Or really any city. Yeah. We pack in five meals a day. Yeah. And it is. You, you got to stretch it. You got to stretch it and you want to eat at all the good places. And so I thought Joy did such a fantastic job of t- kind of taking us to different places. And she highlighted um, the bologna sandwich at In Bloom yeah. for lunch, which was so good. And also yeah. a really great idea. So In Bloom is in Keg and Case, you know. Yeah. And um, it's Thomas Bamer and Nick Rancone's restaurant. And it's so so fantastic, but it can be tough to get in for dinner, and it is expensive for dinner. I mean, that's just—it's an expensive restaurant. It's great food. That's okay too. It's totally okay. It's yeah. fantastic. But if you're feeling like maybe that's not really in the cards for me right now, right? Pop over there for lunch mm. and get that bologna sandwich, Agreed. and you will be so happy, and you'll get to taste it and be part of the experience without necessarily the two hundred and fifty dollar bill. Right, right, right. And you can get these, and you can kind of have that whole wood fired smoky yes. experience without you know having to tuck into a huge steak either. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was something that she um, shared and it's with venison us. Venison bologna too, by it's the way. Just it's not just like bologna, and it's like a mortadella. Kind it's of. a venison mortadella, which mortadella is bologna, but like it's like unbelievably not. <laughs> like the experience is so not cheap. You know what oh, I mean? The experience is expensive, luscious. but yet it is a very affordable, fun. Option. I brought one home for my husband and Did you? he was just beside himself. Ugh. I said, listen to what I have for you. It's in a container. You're going to be so happy. So that was one highlight of that. And then um, Minneapolis, she visited all sorts of great places. But um, in particular, she brought in the chicken liver memelita at Colita. Oh. And I have not been to Colita. And you, of course, I'm sure I have. have been a lot. You go everywhere and you <laughs> like, live the life that I aspire though. to live. <sighs> it is... Just, it's so on my list and I so want to go there, but this chicken liver memelita is something that I think people might go, oh gosh, I don't know if I'm going to order that. It's um, pickled pears, preserved blackberry, this chicken liver. It's It almost looks like a dessert because yeah. it's purple. Yeah. And when you eat it, it is the most luscious, savory, fantastic thing. And I had three bites of it in the studio and could not stop and did not want them to take the plate away, which oh. is what they always do. Yeah. And, um... I've been thinking about it all week. You have to eat faster. Eat so um, fast in those commercial breaks. Seriously, I will say that that Kalita's food is is startlingly craveable, and yet it's so refined in the right ways. But it's also so relaxed and yeah. not not crazy, like not refined in the way that makes you go. I don't know how to eat this. Like I don't know what this is, and I don't know how to eat it. Everything I've had ever on a plate there, you know, it's like immediately I get it, I see it, I want it. Mm-hmm. You know. And I think that that's funny. I was looking back through some pictures, you know, in the old phone. And I was looking at some and I couldn't identify a couple plates. And I thought about that. I was like, I don't know where that was. I can't, you can't tell what that is. Yeah. Like, it looks like a log with mushrooms on it, but I know it, that's not true. And I was really working hard to remember. And I'm not going to, I figured out what it was, but it was definitely a chef trying to like do something crazy and, you know, kind of cool and forward. And I'm definitely here for that. 
But it's funny to me how like a year or two later, I couldn't even identify what that was. Oh, see, I know. That's tough. I also ate at um, Bark and the Bite. Oh, how was it? We went there last weekend after I was with you. And um, Bark and the Bite is a barbecue spot. And they took over the old heirloom space right on Marshall in St. Paul. And they were formerly in Northeast in like a... Yeah, gas station. Yeah, gas station kind of setup. And I have to tell you, we really enjoyed it. Oh, good. It was lovely. We went in and they have these... um, they have a two meats platter yeah. deal, so you can get one meat or two meats. And we had, it was my husband and I, and then our two littles, so four and two. And so we did the two meats, and that comes with one side, and then we ordered a couple of other sides. Yeah. And they have they don't always have brisket, but they did that day. Oh, that's good. So we did the brisket and the pulled pork, which was, the brisket was a Wagyu brisket. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it was just oh fantastic. But it was really reasonable. And their baked beans, I'm like a big stickler on baked beans yeah. because I hate the canned version so much that I can't even smell them. Yeah. I hate them. Yeah. And when I go to a great barbecue place and get great baked beans that are made as God intended baked beans to yeah. be made. Mm. It's heaven. They were phenomenal. And my children loved them. We had a great coleslaw that we liked. And um, this arugula potato salad was oh, I dig delicious. It was like salad. peppery and really light yeah, on yeah. the mayo and yep. like really big chunks of potato and and not mushy potato, like a little bit like of... Like al dente potato. Al dente potato. This which is my gig. was wonderful. My only complaint was when you order there... They ask you what sauce you want, and you get like a little container of one sauce. Yeah. And I want to say to the people at Bark and the Bite, I love the sauce, and I wanted to try all of the sauces, and I want you to have them in little squirty things on the table. Yeah. Like, they should yeah. just be in squirty things at all the tables yeah. so that I can decide if I want to, like, pep up that bite with some heat, yeah. do a little more Carolina, and mix them together and whatever. Yeah, I agree. That's a thing. I feel like that should be a standard. And sauce... At barbecue shops. You know what I mean? At barbecue shops, it should be a... S- always just if you're gonna do sitting out yeah and if you're gonna do a bunch of sauces you know what i mean because they, they have, have a few they have like but they have like a really good cherry bourbon yes one that i love and we didn't want to commit to that one because right. we thought maybe that one would be too sweet and uh, but i wanted to try all of them yeah. and i don't want to have to ration it in a little container and then have to do the whole like passing and dipping thing i want yeah a squeeze bottle I so if, right. if the people at Bark of the Bite it, are listening though. that's how i feel and it was really it was Great, and it's fun to see something go into that spot. Yeah, and a nice opportunity, like for to do an afternoon lunch spot, and and we ran and into people take, we knew in the neighborhood. Oh, you did that, that were coming in, and they said we've been here three or four times, and we love it. So, um, also, yeah, I told Lori and Casey to go there too. They live right there too. I know, so they're, they're St. Paul residents. Yeah, so I hadn't heard back from them, so I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, though. I really liked it. Okay, you guys, we have a great show today. So if you are tucked in with your cup of coffee or tea, and you are ready to kind of wear, you know wear out the storm or the weather <laughs> then we're your people we've got we know we got ellen burkhart coming from the growler to talk about this cool thing they're doing we are going to talk about wellness and what that actually means i'm Great. excited to get your take on this then we're going to talk more potluck stars we have elisa johnson coming on later to talk about how you make a cookbook yes actually okay so we'll be right back this is the weekly dish we're brought to you by el burrito mercado Hey everybody, welcome back to Weekly Dish. Uh, we are so glad that you are joining us on this sort of soggy Saturday. Uh, we are having a guest in studio named Ellen Burkhardt. Ellen, welcome to the Hello, show. Thank you. Hi, Ellen. Ellen, Hello. what is your title at The Growler? I am the managing editor at The Growler Magazine. And The Growler Magazine, for people who don't know, is a beer-focused publication that you can find all over the Twin Cities. I mean, it's more than beer. It started out as beer. Yes. But it really has become... More of a lifestyle publication for people who enjoy craft beer. Yeah. So anything that 
you might like in addition to having a craft beer. So outdoors, which is everything, culture, all the things. (laughs) Yeah. It's the things that sort of go along with that, that that idea of like attention to detail, liking something a little bit different, liking to know the story behind how something is made. And then frankly, liking things that are good. If you like good things, (laughs) if you like good things, you'll probably like the the growler magazine. The story. We only talk about all the good things. That's right. Right. You're not Martha Stewart, but that's what you do. We always pick it up at Blue Door Pub. It's always hanging out there. And we like to, Grab, um, yeah, it's at most of the brew pubs around town, restaurants, liquor stores, coffee shops. Just look for it in the front area, more or less. And the growler was started in conjunction with the beer dabbler. Yes. And that is a cool way of doing things. Like the beer dabbler came first. And then there was all these, this sort of like on the front of the beer festivals and the sampling things. And then they decided to start a magazine to go along with it, which I think is crazy. But, you know, (laughs) being in a magazine as long as I haven't. But nonetheless, you know, doing this kind of way of doing it. And then you guys, there's a store for a little while too. Yep. And it's still all online now because we figured out that that's a lot easier to manage (laughs) than having a physical store. But it was a pretty, it was a great store. It's a beautiful store. So what's the merch that you can get online then? Literally anything you can think of beer related. I mean, like there's T-shirts, pint glasses, posters. You can order back issues. A lot of people like to collect all of our issues because we have like a unique uh, cover per mm-hmm. issue. Um, you know, bottle openers, things to decorate Lots your of home t-shirts, bar. Yeah, koozies yeah. with brands of the of the beer. Yep. I mean, there's and so then many people. Our branded stuff too. So we always make funny T-shirts for every event. And, event that we throw well and your events are so fun i mean we've been big fans of the beer dabblers in my house and especially the winter ones because we like to just bundle up mm-hmm. in ski pants and, and tough it pants. out and drink beer legit <laughs> yeah. outside the most amazing thing you can literally do in february i kind of think that's true i think that's actually the reason you're why. at the state fairgrounds yeah. <laughs> you're drinking local craft beer and you're bundled up against a blizzard that's yeah. so true that's and really the beer kind of freezes around the glass bit. and <laughs> yeah. you end up with like this slushy. little layer of beer slushy yeah. around it's quite delightful <laughs> it sort of proves our metal i think that yes. our, we are metal in our with our metal but we wanted to talk about events because the growler has a new event come up and i'm very very excited about this. Let's talk about the unlabeled yes, series that I you guys are doing. It. Yeah, so we at the Growler, just on the editorial side, have been doing blind samplings uh, for quite a while now, and we just publish our findings. So what that means for anyone who's unaware, um, we pick a style. So I'll use Hazy IPA as an example because that's the event coming up. And so we'll say, Minnesota Brewery, send us your Hazy IPAs. And everyone who wants to participate sends it to us. We bring in certified beer judges. Mm -hmm. And together we blind sample every IPA, in this case, hazy IPA that comes our way. Judge it according to the beer judge certification program guidelines. Oh, And then at the end, we have a grand reveal to see who has the best, quote unquote, beer beer in that style in Minnesota based on just blind tasting there's no la- you know there's no labels unlabeled no uh. unlabeled so and, uh, no yeah, can art no and you can't have like any preconceived notions because you have no idea what you're drinking yeah you're you can't go sipping. oh well i love that brewery so nope. i know right, like oh i know this. that they've been doing great stuff sure. i'm sure this will i mean i'm sorry but that is a true thing that happens of course oh, it is. It totally yeah marketing is. is a real thing <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> and your brain the way that it receives it and then course, disseminates yeah. the information yeah i mean so we've, yeah we've been doing that um just inside as a publication your, yeah. and we were like you know what i think people would like to do this as well so we are inviting the public to come and do it with us um the first event will be july 18th at upper landing park in st paul so it's just right after work 5 30 to 9 and there'll be 48 minnesota breweries on deck there 
each with their hazy IPA. But again, everything's unlabeled. Okay, so how's that going to work? Because like I, you know, you know your breweries. You know what I mean? Like are you, like Jeremy Price standing there. I'm, I'm oh, like, no, no, mm-hmm. no. I'm I meant. The breweries. They're not going to be the there. Beer. Okay. So there's not yeah. like a normal, nope. like you go and you taste their things. So the, yeah. Okay. There's going to be six different sampling stations that all look identical. Okay. And it's just a tap. And then you fill up a flight pa- panel with um, whatever flights that station has. And then you just use our app and go through A, B, C, D per f- station. Yeah. Break them. Um, just literally this is so based, based this is on what idea. you want. This is a great idea. It's Really fun. Yeah. I just love this idea. Okay, I do want to back up a little bit for Hazy IPA right. for people who are listening yep. who might not be familiar with, okay, what is that style of beer for mean? Sure. Because if now, if you're not going to make it to this event, but you're going to be out and about drinking beer, why would you totally. want to try it? Yeah, so Hazy IPA is like the it beer right now. Uh, everyone usually knows what an IPA is, at least. But Hazy IPA is a lot softer in the sense of like, you know, a big IPA is pretty bitter. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't like that bitter. Hoppy, so. hoppy. Mm-hmm. Hazy IPA, you can also hear them called uh, Juicy IPA, Northeast IPA, or NEPA, um, New England IPA, Vermont IPA. But basically, it looks like something's wrong with the beer in the sense of <laughs> yeah. like it's not clear. If someone shook it's it up. It's hazy. Yeah. Hence the name. Hence the um, name. <laughs> and they taste sweeter because the hops that are used are more tropical citrusy. Um, a lot of people say it's got like kind of like an orange juicy finish to it and it's just a lot softer on the tongue. It's not crisp. And people just like that it's easier to drink and a little bit um, less in your face, and so people have just been like going ape. And is it the same as the is it the same as the milkshake IPA or is that different? It can be the same milkshake IPA. Usually they'll add lactose to that. Okay, because that's a lot of people ask that, and there's I've heard so it could be people argue both it can ways. be a hazy IPA that's also called a milkshake IPA, but usually milkshake IPA means lactose has been added. Okay, okay this is so much fun. This is something like I I just need to buy tickets for my husband for a Father's you, you Day do. gift for tomorrow, yeah. oh, and tell idea. him that this is what his gift is, and that we're going to do this because he would absolutely go mm-hmm. crazy for this event. It's so well, much and the fun. best part is like so he loves craft beer, right? He also loves bad beer. He loves. <laughs> Sure, sure. He loves beer. Yes. But even someone who's brand new to craft beer, literally everyone's on the same playing field here because yeah. nobody knows what they're sampling. All they know is like, here's what I'm judging these things based on. And then the, at the end, we're going to have a grand reveal and it'll be like, because it goes all through the app. So yeah. then you're getting yep. the actual real time. I yeah, love that. You have to wait for calculated, calculated, voting calculated. And, the and then at nine o'clock, it's like, all right, you've, here's what it you've is. ranked these this 48 beers. It's really fun. And I'm kind of convinced that either when it comes to like tasting new things that maybe you're not sure that you like, either very little information or very much information mm-hmm. is good. The middle of the road yeah. makes you mm-hmm. not passionate. Steph, my example is when I had never had scotch before and you and I <laughs> went to a Lafroig scotch tasting. Yeah, in I brought her in big, you guys. And we she, didn't go small. You went Lafroig. all the way. I went big. Lafroig. <laughs> I, I, mean, I was the like, most, no. you like Pete? You don't know what that is? Here you go. Here, Here you go. go. You want to suck on a campfire lock? Here you go. But I got so much information, and I was there with all of these enthusiasts. People Mm -hmm. there couldn't believe it was the first scotch I was ever drinking. (laughs) And we, I I said, I have never had this. This was, I mean, gosh, this was probably eight years ago. I know, it was eight years ago. A long time ago. ago. It was pretty kids. And we went there, though, and there was somebody from Lafroig telling the story Mm -hmm. about the Pete and showing us the pictures and everything about how it worked. And it made me understand and appreciate so much more than just tasting it and whatever. Mm -hmm. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have this idea, which is absolutely no information, 
no preconceived notions, nothing. Just go in and taste it and then just see what you think. Right. And I think either of those ideas are such beautiful ways to experience it, something well, new. Well, it puts your brain into a different space. Yes. Right. And, and that if you is want important. to know more specifically about what hazy IPA is and like what you're smelling and what you're ranking, we will have an education station like sponsored by Mighty X Hops and Culture Malt. So you can go smell hops taste malt and like learn what these aromas you're getting in the beers are and like what all these crazy style guide things Ellen, you're mean. good this yeah, is good girl this is i good. like this quickly can, awesome. you, can you tell me a little bit about what are some how do you ju- like as yep. far as like what are the qualities you're judging them for on? sure so um you'll hear a lot of people say bjcp and that's the beer judge certification program guide so anyway so it's like overall impression so does it match what an this style supposed to be and then aroma so how does it smell appearance how does it look uh the flavor of it so it should have some like tropical fruit notes to it um a little more like yeah just more of the fruitiness mouthfeel which just means the thicker kind of more soft um and then just sort of like a, a couple Things of like juiciness and haziness, like the comments that they include, are it should be juicy, like eating a fresh fruit, fruit. or yeah, <laughs> ripe fruit. But there's and nothing like, too overly complicated or snooty about this. No, no, no that's just, my point. Is like it's yeah, really it just breaks it down into like slow down, taste what you're drinking. What are you tasting? What are you liking? And then you rank based on those little things. I love this. This This sounds so fun. July 18th, and they have another one coming up on September 19th. And it is growlermag.com slash unlabeled, and the tickets are on sale right now. Yep, yep. And how much are they? 50 bucks? 50 bucks for general admission, 20 for designated drivers. This is a great Father's Day gift if you're thinking about it. We're going to put a link up on the uh, Facebook page. Quickly, before we go, is Pride Dabbler sold out? Not yet, but we're on track to sell out next week, so get your tickets now. Okay. Good, thanks. It's been Ellen Burkhardt from The Growler. We'll be right back. This is The Weekly Dish. Welcome back to The Weekly Dish. I'm Steph March. I'm here with Elizabeth Reese this week. Good morning. I love being here. It's kind of fun, and it's kind of a good Saturday to just tuck in and hang out and just kind of think about what you're going to do with your day. I know. I'm sure there's a movie happening at my house right now, and I'm sure there's some laying on the couch and my husband going in and out of sleep while the baby's just cozy up. Dude, that is perfect. If there's yeah. like a smell of a wafting of bacon in the background, then I know. that's just even more perfect. Oh, that is great. I know. I love it. But if you are thinking about going out again, I'm just going to let you know, Stone Arch Bridge Festival is a good thing to go do. Yeah, hit up um, the farmer's markets, grab some goodies. Yeah. It's a good day to go on days like today because it's maybe not so crowded. So packed. Fair State, uh, as we were talking with Ellen about beer, Fair State has their mixed culture party you know their big beer festival with tons of good sour beers and funky beers and crazy things this weekend great um yeah there's lots of stuff going on we'll we'll cover all that stuff later but first i wanted to talk a little bit about something i read um on social media because that's what happens but it was in the new york times and it was an opinion piece and it was called smash the wellness industry oh boy i know and again it's an opinion piece so it's important to know that because i think that that's always you know, an interesting weird place to start. Yeah. Uh, so it's by this woman named Jessica Knoll, who is a novelist. And she starts off the piece by saying, a few months ago, I had lunch with a writer behind one of my favorite movies of the year, the agent who made the deal and the producer who packaged the project. I wanted to hear about all the process and perhaps find an opportunity to collaborate. So a business lunch. Um, she said, uh, she said someone was slogging. She said basically they were trying to order and she said someone was slogging through the whole 30 program. Someone had eliminated dairy and someone else was simply trying to be 
quote, good after a, quote, bad weekend. The producer said it didn't matter how good she was. She'd lost baby weight, though she may look tolerable in clothes. Under the Spanx, her stomach was a horror show. And she did all this kind of stuff, you know, talking about how uh, she says, at one time, I, too, would have gleefully torn myself apart. I despised my body and my devotion to changing it amounted to years of unpaid labor, starting with a bout of bulimia in high school. In preparation for my wedding, I worked, you know, twice a day on 800 calories and all this kind of stuff. You know, she's done the 13-day cleanses, intermittent fasting, elimination diet, all these kind of things. And she's saying that, isn't it a point where she's wondering about the idea that um, she says, I called this poisonous relationship between a body I was doctrinated to hate and the food I had been taught to fear wellness. And she's and the whole point of this article is about that the culture of wellness uh, is that it's a dangerous con that seduces smart women with pseudoscientific claims of increasing energy, reducing inflammation, lowering the risk of cancer, and healing skin, gut, and fertility problems. But at its core, wellness is about weight loss. It demonizes calorically dense and delicious foods, preserving a vicious fallacy. Thin is healthy and healthy is thin. Oh, go, boy, she is off base here. Woo! This She's was a base. big, this was a very big thing. That was sort of like, it was interesting to me because I, I thought the, the minute I stepped into it and she was talking about this group of women who she was sitting there and they were all demonizing themselves at this business lunch and saying like, oh, well, I can't eat that. I have to eat this. And we've all been to those kind of things. We've all had those kind of things. But for her, it feels like if you go through this article, she doesn't really have a very other, that's her core experience. And I think that to me seems like that's a starting point of, wrongness well i think she's going into it with um some clear issues with herself and Mm -hmm. her own body and her own eating because to talk about the wellness industry as being the same as the diet industry is totally off base and wrong and to say that the wellness industry demonizes uh calorically dense food is also wrong i thought that was a strange every wellness expert i've talked to or interviewed or had conversations with it is about more dense food it is about fat is your friend yeah it is let's eat things that are packed with nutrition and packed with goodness and packed with satiating fat and not live this life floating along in a low fat snack wells world where we're starving all the time and we're starving our brains and everything yeah this she's off base she is she's 100 percent off base and i think The bottom line here is that when she says in here that food, that she no longer um, thinks of food as good or bad or anything, there is good and bad food. Yeah. And that doesn't have to do with even necessarily always our health. There is food that is good for our economy, good for farmers, good for people. And there's food that is bad for farmers, bad for the economy and bad for people. I mean, when you talk about, she says, yeah, no more highly processed food industry. Yeah. That number one to me is not food. And two, that's bad. Right. And that's bad for everybody. Well, and weirdly enough, you know, she says, so she, she talks about this thing that is kind of gaining, um, some, some attention and it's called intuitive eating. Now she said she had a stilt at a health magazine and she has a glancing understanding of the philosophy. And I'm, that always makes me worried. Like if you're going to write a piece, you need to get a little bit more. Not, don't write understanding. anything about a glancing yeah. understanding, but it's about when to stop eating, what tastes good and how it makes our bodies feel. And says, um, she basically says that it's been around for decades, but suddenly we see a lot of attention because it's been, 
Perhaps it's because women are finally starting to interrogate the systems that hurt and exploit us. Perhaps it's because we're driven and ambitious and we need energy, not lighthearted leafy greens energy, but real energy, the kind that comes from eating hearty foods men eat. And this went into a whole nother area for me because, of course, I don't think of foods that men eat versus what women eat. No, not And at I all. thought, this woman is, and I maybe, and I... I get into these places where I'm like, I'm so sorry that you live in L.A. I'm so sorry that you have not grown up in the Midwest Midwest. where we all tuck in the burgers. And I mean, I'm not saying all. Of course, the generalizations are crazy. But I think, though, when it comes to men and women, at least the men and women in my family and friends, you are just as likely at any event to have a man order a salad as you are to have a woman order a cheeseburger without any pressure of what's working. It's about what's working for you in that moment. And I, I mean, I agree with her about, I don't love this concept of like, I had a bad weekend and so I need to punish myself by eating good. That to me, I, I, I don't agree. That being said though, for me, I know how I feel. If I, if I'm out with you, Steph, and we're crushing burgers and beer one night and then I go out for an intense brunch on Sunday, I mean, Monday, I'm going to lighten it up for my own sense of like function yes well and this is i thought about that when she said that i thought i that's called balance i don't understand why it's not a punishing it's so interesting to me that she sees it as punishing it's not punishing and i thought there was a whole part of this too where it's like she says the diet industry is a virus and viruses are smart and survived all these decades by adapting as dangerous as ever and uh, it pre- in 2019, dieting presents itself as wellness and clean eating, duping modern feminists to participate under the guise of health. Wellness influencers attract sponsorships, blah, blah, blah. Go from sluggish to vibrant, insecure, confident, foggy-brained to clear-eyed. But when you have to deprive, punish, and isolate yourself to look good, it is impossible to feel good. And so oh, here's my thing. I feel so bad for her because I absolutely have... And of course, I know my job is weird. I eat three burgers a day sometimes. And then the next day... I eat like four salads because I just want those greens. Mm-hmm. Like I'm listening to my body. I'm not doing it to be super skinny, but I think if someone is doing it to be super skinny and they're thinking it's wellness, that's their baggage. I don't think, I think the the way that the industry has come so far to understand learning about your food is important. Yeah. I think to say that the wellness industry is the diet industry is completely bunk. I think it's really off base. And I think even when you look at going into different, wellness based workout places there are all these boutique sort of wellness based you know workout clubs that you can go to and you know like i worked out at um alchemy for a while and really enjoyed it and had a great time and the one thing that stood out to me that was so amazing is never once in all the classes i went to in all the conversations i had with instructors was there ever a mention of being thin yeah ever it was never it was all about strength it was never about hey do this and it'll make your tummy smaller yeah do this and it'll make your legs smaller it was about lift this be strong use your body so you can continue to use it as long as you can yeah. be strong be strong be Ruth strong Bader and do Ginsburg this for it. your mental health what are you thinking about right now that you can push that energy out and get it out so that you feel like you can go on with the rest of your day feeling good yeah it's it's sad to me that i think she's trying to demonize the wellness industry when the wellness industry is the antidote to the diet industry and I think has influenced how a lot of diet companies look at themselves too. And and I do believe that there is, it's the same thing like when we talk about local washing, when we talk about someone who's like, hey, or natural washing, where like 7up can say, this is a natural product. 
Well, when you absolutely take it and take like a little bit of corn and then manipulate it chemically so that it's no longer corn. Yeah, it came from the earth originally, but yeah. and then it's corn sugar. And then there's all this stuff that is completely not a thing that is exists in nature until humans manipulate it. I don't find that to be natural. So I fear that there are diet places that are touting this wellness that it's going to make you feel better and you're going to be better and you're going to be skinnier and that's better for sure. There are some of that, but then to say the entire industry, right? This is another part that I had a little bit of a problem with. It was interesting to me. She was saying, um, she said the diet industry is a function of the patriarchal beauty standard under which women either punish themselves to become smaller or are punished for failing to comply. And the stress of this hurts our health, too. I'm a thin white woman and the shame and derision I've experienced for failing to be even thinner is nothing compared with what women in less compliant bodies bear. Wellness is a largely white privileged enterprise catering to a largely white privileged, already thin and able bodied woman promoting exercise. Only they have the time to do and Tuscan kale. Only they have the resources to buy. So I thought there was something interesting about that because I do believe that there's, um, <clears throat> you know, there is something. What I thought is interesting is she went through to the privilege place saying like recognizing that she had the privilege to do this. But I also thought she's a woman who can eat whatever she wants without actually having any health issues. She says that she says that she can eat like whatever she wants. I know. Imagine what it's like if you're dealing with fibromyalgia Thank you. or you're dealing with any How, your sort kid of has chronic an allergy. illness or you have an autoimmune yes. issue. And I you, mean, you are thinking the Lord for the wellness industry and the understanding and the, the conversation that's happening around if this food works for me and my family or doesn't work for me and my family. And yeah. newsflash guys, Tuscan kale, it's dino kale. It's yes. super cheap it's and super you can cheap. grow it for like, and that's nothing. exactly like, like my point Tuscan of that, kale is not an elite food. She it's ass- just a- all the stuff that she is assigned to this is so full of her own painful baggage that I just, I can't believe that it's, that it because she's a novelist that she, it got published. The this New York way. Times. I felt Boy. really. I felt re- really mostly. Listen, they sad disappointed for her. us with grape salad, and they've disappointed us with this. I know it's just kind of harsh, but <laughs> there it is. I just I was interested by this in the wellness aspect of it. If you guys want to weigh in, we do have the Ask Stephanie portion next six five one six four one one zero seven one. If you want to weigh in, um, otherwise we'll be right back. This is the weekly dish brought to you by El Burrito Mercado. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Weekly Dish. This is the Ask Stephanie portion of the show, you guys. So 651-641-1071. If you want to ask us any questions, you have any comments uh, about wellness. We were just, we were, we've been, you know, talking about it throughout the entire commercial break because yeah, it's, there's just so much to be said about it. There really is. And I'm, we're going to take a call from Julie because she's on the line. Hey, Julie, are you there? Hey, I'm here. Hey, what can we do for you today? Hey, I was recently in a bar and I sat next to a gal that was drinking this divinely smelling shot of something and she said it was tequila reposado. Yes. And so two things. Is there a bar that I could go to to get schooled in this whole tequila (laughs) thing? Yes. And then secondly, how do I order tequila reposado in any old bar when I don't know what brand I want or whatever. Okay, well, first of all, applause to you. This is a, you're talking to a tequila fan over here. I love tequila. Tequila (laughs) on the rocks with orange and lime is like my full out favorite drink. And I started adding orange to it when I was on a trip to New Orleans and I ordered a Casamigos on the rocks. Now Casamigos is a tequila reposado. So that's a really easy one when you're at a bar to order because that's the, that's the tequila that George Clooney was part owner in. And I think he might've sold it off, but it got a ton of notoriety and it's called Casamigos and it's really easy 
to order because they have it at a lot of places and it tastes delicious. And so I used to order it with just lime on the rocks. And then I started um, because this bartender in New Orleans said, you know how I like to drink this is with a twist of orange, too. Do you want to try it? And I said, yes. And I just became obsessed with it. Now, note to self, don't drink like four or five because I did that a couple weekends ago. And <laughs> that was a price. <laughs> and, and Julie, to let you know, reposada, what that means is just that it's been aged in oak. So what we're talking about is a tequila. When you see the white, the clear ones, the silvers or the blancos, that's just pure tequila. A reposado means it has been aged in oak barrels, just like a whiskey. So it's that's why it's a little bit more caramely colored and it's got a little bit more flavor to it because it's soaked in, it's pulled flavors from the oak like whiskey does. Yeah. Okay, so where would you think that she could go to try? Because I remember doing a really fun tequila flight tasting at um, Rosa Mexicano before it it's closed. closed. And that one is donezo. But where can you go in so, and try some different ones? Funny enough, Julie, if you listen to the podcast, do you ever listen to the podcast of Weekly Dish? Yes, I do. Okay, so a couple weeks ago, I had, or actually like last week, I think there's a Wednesday podcast of me talking with the guys at Pajarito. And we actually talk all about tequila. And we tasted some of their, they have gone down to the Herradura uh, distillery in Jalisco, and they have their own barrel of beautiful tequila. And uh, they selected it, they brought it back up, and they are making an old-fashioned with it. Fine. And so what I think you should do is go sit at the bar at Pajarito in St. Paul and talk to them about the tequilas that they have on hand and also that you're interested in learning a little bit more, and they're happy to do that kind of stuff. And they can pass you some tastes and things like that. Another uh, place that has a lot of good tequilas is El- is Jefe. Oh, great. Which is over kind of off the river. Don't go today for the Stone Arch Festival. It might be kind of crazy to do. But another afternoon, that's a good place to go. Um, and then I would say even El Burrito Mercado, you know, is a great place to kind of go and see the, the tequilas they have. But really talk to your bartenders and t- tell them that you're interested in learning more about it. Cool. Thank you so much. All right. Oh, have fun. That's just great. Oh, I love the tequila. I know. Tequila is something that has such a bad, cheap reputation. Well, that we've, and- like, we ruined it for a long time where I remember just thinking like a shot of tequila and it's so horrible. And it, and then when you learn more about it and yeah. learn, of course, it's not just a one note thing. Yeah. Well, um, and in that podcast with the boys with, you know, it was Tag Nelson and Stephen Hussey. And it's like and then we had a couple other friends, you know, people there. We were all t- tasting their new barrel. But it like we start the show with saying, what was your worst tequila experience? Because everybody has one. Tequila popper, spring break, oh. Acapulco, my sophomore year of college. Yeah. So many of the them. The idea of a popper now, think about it. Taking Sprite, putting it in your tequila, <laughs> slamming, slamming your glass and then slamming it down. It's so what? funny. What was that? That was so eighties. That was um, I know, and I was doing it in the the year two thousand. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you were six five one six four one one zero seven one. If you guys want to call in or you have any comments or questions, um, I will also say that there's something about learning about the like because I had to go away from tequila for a long time because of high school. I'm not going to lie. And then I couldn't come back to it until I discovered the actual, the reposado and then even more the añejo, which is, you know, even longer aged and beautifully. Some of those añejos have such just almost like a vanilla smokiness and a sweetness to it. That is, you don't find in any of the original, you know, the tequilas that we all grew up with. Right. And when you have something great and you're sipping it, it's such a different experience. And I mean, taking a shot of anything is not, it's not a great idea, guys. I'm just going <laughs> to tell you. Well, and it, you're, it's, coming, you're yeah. talking to a person who yeah. I, I took a lot of shots 
in college. In college. And yeah. um and it's just not it's not a great idea for a myriad of reasons. <laughs> so just find well, something good and enjoy. Sip it. Yeah, enjoy your sippage. You know what I mean? Take a few minutes. And that's honestly where like drinking whiskey neat, you know, and having it be with just like a little bit of ice and drinking it without all the stuff. Same thing with tequila. Or just like a tiny bit of bitters and yeah, whiskey. It's so good. Oh God. Well there you go. There's your there's your uh, your boozy inspiration for the day. Good morning everybody. Good morning. Welcome. Uh we are gonna take a quick break. You guys as we come back, we have a great show, second hour coming up, so stay tuned for that. We've got Elisa Johnson. She's We're going to give her a call. We'll be right back. This is The Weekly Dish. We're brought to you by El Burrito Mercado.